Well, hello and welcome to the Chase Family Church podcast. Today we have Suze Tidy speaking on There is Power in the Name of Jesus. We pray that today will bless you. Well, good morning. Am I on? Is that working? Yes, there we go. Uh, I haven't used this mic before and it's all a bit, I had to, I think the person before me had a big head, so I had to move it in. Um, but anyway. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Suze, and I lead the Encounter Gap Year program here at Chase. And since starting Encounter in 2018, we've built up a really good training program, if I say so myself. And um, who's been to one of our sessions on the Monday? Quite a few people, that's great. Um, we've got some really great speakers that come and um, lead us and share with us. And I've got a bit of a secret weapon when it comes to inviting people. Would you like to know what my secret weapon is? Good, because I'm going to tell you anyway. So my secret weapon is somebody's name, and that person's name is Martin Higgins. Okay, so Martin is my secret weapon. Now, those who know Martin know that he is an excellent networker. And so I, I often have to go to meetings with Martin, Elim meetings. We went to one on Tuesday, or leaders' meetings. And he has this radar when we walk into a room and he finds the person who's leading the meeting or the person that's speaking. And he'll instantly go up to them and start getting to know them. Or he'll find somebody that he doesn't know yet and go and talk to them. I'm going to really embarrass you this morning. Um, and whenever I go with him to a meeting and somebody says to me, oh, so what church are you from? I just say, I work with Martin. They go, oh, I know Martin. Oh, uh, every time. Um, but it's really good because it means that when I've rung somebody up and said, hi, uh, Martin Higgins has recommended that I contact you, they go, yes, I'll come. Uh, which is great because they know what Martin's like. They know that they can trust his judgment. They know that he, um, he has respect for what we're doing. They think, okay, if he's like that, then Encounter must be okay too. Um, so thank you, Martin, for all of the, <laughs> the networking that you've done so that we can have a great program. And I'm going to seamlessly move along to Jesus from that. Is that okay? <laughs> so when I say the name Jesus, what comes into your mind? So I want you to chat with the person next to you or near you. When I say the name Jesus, what comes into your mind? If you're online, put it in the chat. I'll give you a few minutes. Thirty seconds. Okay, let's bring our conversations to a close. Now, I'm not going to get answers from everybody because that would take a very long time. But I wonder what you said. Jesus is a name that most people know. 
They might know him as a prophet or a teacher. They might know him because they've heard about the Bible. They might know him like I do, as Saviour and Lord. So there's lots of different answers. And what I want to explore this morning is that Jesus is more than just a name. In fact, there is power in the name of Jesus. And to do this, we're going to have a look at a story in Acts. If you've got a Bible or your phone, turn with me to Acts chapter 3. It's going to come up on the screen as well. Okay, Acts chapter 3, and we're going to start at verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gates called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. I'm going to stop there just briefly. So Peter and John were two disciples of Jesus, and they were continuing in the Jewish tradition of going to the temple to pray. And on this particular day, they encountered a man begging for money at the beautiful gate. So the beautiful gate was like the main entrance into the temple. And so what we believe is that, um, what we know, sorry, from this story is that he had been crippled from birth. So he was probably put there every day to beg. Now, if you were crippled or you were lame, there was a law in the Old Testament that meant that you couldn't actually go into the temple. So this was as far as he could go. And he probably sat there every day, day in, day out, begging for money. Now, this guy was quite clever because he was in a really good spot because everybody would have had to have walked past him in and out of the temple. And also, it would have played a bit of on people's consciences if they walked past him and they didn't give him any money because they were going in to pray for people in need. And so actually, if they hadn't given him any money on the way in, then that, they might have felt quite guilty about that. So I think it was a really clever spot for this guy to be. So let's continue reading. Um, and we'll start with verse 3 again. Uh, so when we saw Peter and John um, about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. So the man said to Peter and John what he probably said every day, have you got any money or can you help me? But rather than just ignore him or just chuck some money his way, um, Peter says something. He says, look at us. He engages with the man. And, uh, and I think the man was expecting to receive some money when he said that. And this makes me think about all those people who I walk past on the street in Enfield Town and other places who are begging for money. And, and often they look down. They don't look at you because they know that you're probably going to walk past. That always really challenges me. And I can't imagine what it's like being in that position. But here, Peter asks the man to look at him, inviting him to engage. So we're going to finish the story Acts chapter 3, and we're going to go from verse 6. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So just before this story, so the end of Acts chapter 2, it talks about how the believers shared everything that they had 
with each other. They sold their possessions and they gave money to the poor. And this news probably spread around the city. And so I imagine that this man that was begging at the beautiful gate knew that these people had money. And I think that's what he was expecting. But as we know, they gave him something so much more, worth so much more. The man was healed in the name of Jesus. And notice instantly his response is to run into the temple, the place that he couldn't go for so many years, the place that he sat outside and begged. He ran straight into the temple and started praising God. His life changed in an instant. He could no longer be labelled as the man who begged at the beautiful gate. He could get a job. He could earn a living. He could access so much more of life. The name of Jesus not only brought healing to the man, it gave him a new life. So why is there power in Jesus' name? Well, Peter actually explains this to the crowd who's gathered around them. It's quite easy, this sermon, because it just explains it in the next bit of the chapter. And um, my Peter is actually on words today, so I'm going to ask other Peter. <laughs> That's not really his name, is it? Um, to just come and read it, because I thought, well, other Peter, Peter said it. Other Peter. Um, so, yeah, so Peter's going to read this for us. So this is, um, we're going to go... Peter, yeah. <laughs> husky Peter. Yeah. So we're going to go from verse 9. Um, and he's going to read this from the New Living Translation. Just oh, okay. top of the page. Top of the page. Top of the page. So all the people <coughs> saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astonished. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to this, his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's, hus- uh, Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy and righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer who killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed and you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Friends, I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance, but God was fulfilling all, uh, what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things. Now, repent of your sins and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things, as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. Then Moses said, anyone who will not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from God's people. Starting with Samuel, every prophet spoke about what is happening today. You are the children of those prophets, and you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, through your descendants, all the families on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, Jesus, he sent him first to you people of Israel to bless you by turning each of you back from your sinful ways. 
Okay, can we give a round of applause for Pete, please? Thank you, well done. Peter, thanks very much for doing that. Um, so the thing to notice about this um, passage, and can I just say, what an incredible message to just give off the cuff um, after that. I mean, that's amazing. But notice how Peter's using different names in this passage. He talks about Moses, he talks about Abraham, he talks about Samuel, and these are all people that the people listening would know about. And they knew from their, um, from their faith and from their past and from what their parents probably told them who all these people were. And so these names meant something to them, and it helped them then to understand about who Jesus was. So after this happened, Peter and John were arrested. And uh, it said that many people who listened to Peter's message believed, and the numbers grew from, um, from about 3,000 on the day of Pentecost to 5,000 people that believed. I mean, how incredible is that? And what I wanted to do was I wanted to ask someone to come and just share their testimony, their story about how Jesus changed their life, how Jesus is king of their life. And so I've asked Rachel if she would come up and just share with us, um, just because I think it'd be a really great part in the talk to just share in here. So thank you. Okay. Uh, so I grew up in a Christian family, um, and, but as a child and a teenager, my faith really rested on my parents' faith and the faith of those around me at church. I did have some real moments of connection with Jesus at different youth events um, over the years, but Jesus was only really king of my life at times, and mostly I was fairly apathetic in my relationship with him, and I just went along with what was happening around me. Um, so my life was pretty compartmented between church and school and friends, um, and I didn't really bring my faith into non-church areas. Uh, so it wasn't until I went to Australia for my gap year that I really made a turning point in my faith. And Jesus actually became king of my life. Uh, so my uncle and aunt live in Brisbane. And I went out to visit them um, and do some traveling and work a bit. And I thought, have some fun in the sun. Uh, <laughs> but it was the first time I'd left home. And I was really lonely. And I was so far from home, and I was faced with a lot of moral decisions about my behavior that I'd not really wrestled with before. Um, and so it's a really low point. Um, but in that low point, I realized that I did actually have somewhere to turn. Uh, someone who could provide answers for me on how I should behave. Someone who could be a companion in that loneliness and a firm foundation to stand on. So I started praying and reading my Bible. Um, and I started actively seeking out the company of other Christians, which took me some, on some fun adventures to different churches in Australia. And then, so I really met with Jesus in that time, and he really blessed the rest of that time in Australia and helped me to grow massively in my faith. So I traveled from Brisbane to Melbourne, and I stayed with a family of Christians who my mum used to live with the wife. They were housemates before they got married. Um, and they introduced me to another family from their church who ran, a, who still do run a berry farm. So I started working on their berry farm and we would chat over, they had a conveyor belt where we would sort out all the raspberries <laughs> packing. <laughs> we would chat over the conveyor belt and they would really challenge me um, and encourage me and point me to Jesus um, and point me to the Bible constantly. And they taught me it was a living book that brings life. And so... Yeah, when I came home, I went to university 
and joined the Christian Union and a church, and my journey carried on from there. Yeah. Great, Great, thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much, Rachel. That was a really uh, great testimony, and. Um, I just wanted to give that opportunity for people who might be here or might be watching um, who want to know Jesus. We're going to pray at the end about that. Um, but I just wanted someone to share their own story. So names have meanings. And does anyone here know what their name means? Does anybody know? Julia, what does your name mean? <laughs> Youthful one. Oh, okay. Any other names? Ben? Benjamin, son of the right hand. Okay, and the others? I do want to know, Barb. Foreign and strange. Foreign and strange, okay. I'm not sure about that one, but okay. Deborah? B. Oh, Buzzy B. Okay, oh, that's really interesting. Yes, Christina? Christian or belonging to Christ. Excellent. Abigail? Father's Joy. Oh, it's a really lovely name. So my name, Suzanne, means lily, beautiful flower. Um, so if you're Sue or Susan, then that means that too. So um, names, names have meanings. And in biblical times, names were given to describe who people were or who God was. So for example, in Genesis, there's a story about a guy called Abraham. And, um, and God changed his name to Abraham, and it's about a promise that he gave Abraham. So Abraham means, um, I've written it down here, exalted father. And that was probably about God, God being the exalted father. But Abraham means father of many, and that was God's promise to Abraham. And we know through reading the Bible that, that he was the father of many nations. That promise was fulfilled. In Matthew 16, Jesus changes Simon's name to Peter which I know means rock, um, because that's who my husband is. And it says, on this rock, I will build my church. And so what happened was after Jesus went to heaven, as we saw exactly in, the, in what we've read today, Peter went on to start the church, to talk about Jesus, to share the message. So what does the name Jesus mean? Well, Jesus means God saves. Jesus was God's rescue plan for us. But Jesus was also known by lots of other names. And I'm going to make us work this morning. I've asked Becca to help me with this. Um, so we need the flip chart out. Maybe if we can just get that out for us. In the spirit of encounter training, we're going to do some training this morning. Um, so what I'd like us to do is uh, to shout out different names that Jesus is known by. And if you're on the chat, then um, put them in the chat. Someone can shout those out to me. Um, so I'm going to start off with Son of God. What else? Emmanuel, Saviour, King of Kings, yeah, Messiah, Lion of Judah, what was the other one? Prince of Peace, yeah, you keeping up, yep, Wonderful Counselor, Light of the World, thank you, Bread of Life, yeah. Lord of Lords, yeah. We'll just give Becca a quick moment to catch up. Any more? The true vine. The true vine, yeah. Lamb of God. Lamb of God. Star of the morning. I'm just going to give you a few minutes. Lamb of God, yeah. 
You got three in one there, didn't you? <laughs> Life. Uh, okay, just pause a minute. So we've got Star of the Morning. <laughs> oh, I felt that. Star of the Morning. Um, oh, there was one after that. What was the one after? The Word. Emmanuel. We've got Emmanuel, I think. Okay. Good Shepherd. There was another one. Son of Man. Only Son. Okay. That's from someone online. Thank you. Yahweh. Let's keep going. I am. Yep. King of the Jews. Lion of Judah, I think we've got Lion of Judah, but that, yeah, it's a good one. Servant King, Servant King another one from online, thank you. From, from Pam, thanks Pam. Another one from online, Redeemer. Let's get two more so it, it looks, it matches. <laughs> Mighty God, yeah. Deliverer. Oh, can we squeeze that one on? <laughs> Redeemer. Yeah, we've got Redeemer. Okay, we're going to stop there because we've run out of room. Can we give Becca a round of applause for all of her <laughs> excellent writing? <laughs> so there's also many, many, many more. There's the truth. There's our hope. The author and perfecter of our faith, Christ, Messiah. Lots and lots more. And we've got Messiah. Um, and so when we speak the name of Jesus in a situation, we're declaring all that he is. It's not just about his name. We're declaring everything and more, all that he is. That's what we're saying when we say the name of Jesus. And the name of Jesus has power because of what he did for us on the cross. We had communion just a little while ago, and that was remembering all that <coughs> Jesus did for us on the cross. Jesus has the victory. Amen? Amen. And in Luke 10, um, the disciples return after being sent out by Jesus. Uh, and we're going to read what that says. So we're going to go to Luke 10, verse <coughs> 17. So Jesus has sent out 72 of his followers to go and heal the sick and cast out demons in his name and go and tell people the good news. And this is what happens when they come back. They come back and they give him a bit of feedback. And this is what happens. It says, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to, in your, to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Even the demons, even Satan submits to Jesus' name. There is power in the name of Jesus. And I want to make something really clear here. Saying in the name of Jesus is not a magic phrase. So let's look at an example of where people have tried to use it in the wrong way. So Acts 19. Just keeping on the toes this morning. I'm going to read from verse 13. So Acts 19. Some Jews went around driving out evil spirits. 
sorry, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honour. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practised sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of all the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachma. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. This can be a bit of a scary passage because you think, oh gosh, what happened there? But it just shows that it's one thing saying Jesus' name and it's another thing meaning it. They were trying to use Jesus' name as a magic word to make themselves powerful. They were using it in the wrong way. They wanted to be seen as people who could heal in Jesus' name, but they were using it for their own benefit. They had no relationship with Jesus. And I also want to say that praying in Jesus' name is not just for healing or casting out demons. It's for inviting the power and the authority of Jesus into our situations. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I was scared of the dark. Anyone else here scared of the dark when they were younger? Yeah? Anyone still scared of the dark? A few people. (laughs) Um, And uh, I would have nightmares and things. And I remember my mum saying to me that um, when it happens next, rather than running into our bedroom and waking us up in the middle of the night, why don't you try saying, Jesus, help me, and speaking Jesus' name? And so I gave it a go. And do you know what? It worked. Because suddenly a peace came upon me and I invited Jesus into the situation. He came in, in all of his power and his authority into that situation. And I still do it today. Pete probably doesn't know this because he's often asleep. But I still whisper the name of Jesus when I'm scared at night or I've had a nightmare. Because it works. Because he has the power. He has the authority. So what happens when we pray in Jesus' name? Well, there's a few things that happen. The first thing is that we acknowledge that we need his help. It's not about us. The second thing is that we put our trust and our faith in him. The third thing is that we invite him to intervene in our situation. And the fourth thing is that we acknowledge his authority and his power in the situation. So maybe this morning you needed reminding of the power in Jesus' name. And I thought it would be really good if we could just spend some time in prayer with each other because I know I've got situations that I need prayer for. And so I'm going to invite you, if you have a situation where you need to call on Jesus' name or maybe you don't know Jesus and you want to know who he is like we do, um, or maybe you need a healing, I'm going to ask you to do something really brave and just stand up where you are if that's you. And we're going to stand with you in a minute. So if that's you, just stand where you are. Um, if that doesn't apply to anybody, that's okay. Um, if you know that you need Jesus in the situation this morning, or you need Jesus in your life, just stand where you are. And if you're around them, can you just stand with them and place a hand on their shoulder?
And in a minute, we're going to sing, There is Power in the Name of Jesus, to break every chain. But I'm just going to pray as, we, um, as we're standing here together. So, Lord Jesus, we invite you now, and we ask for you to come in all of your power and all of your authority. We thank you for all that you are. We thank you that you died on the cross for us. We thank you that you were the ultimate sacrifice so that we could have a relationship with you. We thank you that you did it for us. Thank you that you are the King of Kings. Thank you that you are the Messiah. We thank you that you're the Lion of Judah, the Lord of Lords, the Bread of Life, Emmanuel, the Good Shepherd, Deliverer, the Friend of Sinners, Mighty God. And Lord Jesus, I pray for every person that's standing now that in Jesus' name, you will intervene in their situations. We pray for healings in Jesus' name. We pray for changes in situations in Jesus' name. Well, thank you, Suze. Wasn't that a wonderful message? If you've got any prayer that you need, then do drop us a line. You can either email us at office at chasefamilychurch.com or contact us on social media. But we do pray that you would have a wonderful week and do tune in next week.